0: Come, Holy Spirit, come, Lord, we give you permission to do whatever you desire to do. Make our minds, hearts, and souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Reveal to us the face of the Father. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. These words of Jesus that are his first homily, his first sermon right after his baptism, is stepping into his public ministry, repent and believe in the gospel. I think too often for us this, this word repent has like this negative, harsh, heavy notion to it. And I think that's, that's part of the tactic of, of the enemy to get us believe like, ah, oh, there's a heaviness there. No, the Lord, repentance is just about turning away from sin and turning to Christ and then believing in the good news. The good news that, yes, we are sinners and we are aware of that fact, but that Christ died for us and offered his life for our salvation. So repentance is not a heavy word. It's not a harsh word at all. It is one that comes from the heart of Jesus that is full of charity full of mercy, and actually then a joyful word. Because it means that, like, we don't have to die in our sin. We have the chance, the opportunity to turn to the Lord. And so he calls us, right, turn from sin and believe in the good news, believe in the gospel. The gospel of his mercy and forgiveness is, I thought, the heart of it. But the gospel is even greater and larger than that, than that. The gospel is the fullness of the truth about God and about us. The church tells us that Christ fully reveals the human person to ourselves. Like, What does it mean to be man? What does it mean to be uh, male and female and our relationships with each other is revealed most perfectly and profoundly in Jesus so to believe in the good news is to submit ourselves humbly and confidently to Christ and his vision for the human person and the world. Now I say that kind of stepping into every year around this weekend closest to the anniversary of Roe v. Wade to speak about this difficult topic of, of abortion. And, you know, since 1973, when Roe v. Wade was... was um, you know, put into law. There have been over 62 million abortions that we know of in our country. 62 million, it's a, it's a sobering number. This is a sensitive topic and a hard topic, and uh, partly because it touches all of us. Like in a personal way, on some level. In the U.S., depending on where you live, um, women under 45... It's either one in three or one in four have had an abortion, depending on where you live in the U.S. It's kind of sobering, um, sobering reality there for us to kind of take in, like, wow. But also to reverence the fact that, right, that this, this hits home personally for, for a lot of us in a lot of ways. And, and first, to remember most profoundly that God's mercy really is infinite. Really, there is not a sin that someone can commit, including this, that is bigger than the mercy of God. So if you or someone you know has been involved in an abortion, the Lord loves you, loves you, and wants nothing more than, than your heart, right, to be healed and to be drawn into his heart. It's like the father and the prodigal son just waiting to take us back and to wrap us in his arms. And as if you heard me when I've spoken about this topic, one thing that's very important is, is we as a church have to be much better at loving people in crisis pregnancy situations. No one who chooses abortion wants to, you know? No one's like, hey, this is really great. I want to do this. This is exciting. No, no, that, that's no one. They end up in a crisis situation And they feel like, right, my life is over. I don't know what to do. This is the only decision I have. And they're just like caught up in this fear. And so what we need to do in those spaces is to walk with them, to love them, to honor them, to listen to them, to offer whatever we can in compassion and mercy as we're speaking the truth, but with humility. Humility and not being afraid to get our hands dirty and just walk in love all the way through. I mentioned this before, but in 2016, I gave like a longer talk on that called Standing in the Gap. I'd encourage you to go on YouTube, uh, LifeFest 2016 and, and check it out. But what, what I wanna talk about today a little bit more specifically is, um, right, coming off of Roe v. Wade, um, our new president, President Biden, just signed um, you know, a statement saying that he wants to codify Roe v. Wade he wants to increase access to abortion, increase abortion, increase contraception, and all, all these things like, associated with it and calling it health care. So anytime a president would say this, this is a big deal. Like that's, that's, that's a big deal. But it's a bigger deal because he's Catholic. And so we as Catholics have a greater responsibility to know the truth and live the truth Because we've received the gospel, we have a greater responsibility for that. Whether it's a newly baptized person, or a priest, or the president, like there's a greater responsibility. And so, um, yeah, like and what happens in our life, or in someone else's life, like we're all sinners. We're all sinners, and so when we sin. Like, it's not good, but, like, we're, we're St. Paul, right? I do the evil I don't want to do, and I don't do the good I want to do. Like, this battle within me, and the Lord is merciful. But it becomes more spiritually dangerous and a graver situation when I justify sin, right? When I rationalize it. Like, hey, this sin, the church says it's a sin, the Lord says it's a sin, but I'm saying it's not a sin, and I'm just going to do it. Like, that's a more serious spiritual situation for me. It's dangerous. But then, if I take it a step further, and then not only that just interiorly, but either indirectly or especially directly, I begin to lead other people into sin by my example or my words. That is really not good. That is really, not, any of us as Catholics, right? Any of us. And particularly the more authority that we have, like the graver that gets. I wanna, I wanna read um, Archbishop Gomez. If you, you go on the USCCB uh, website, Archbishop Gomez is the president of the USCCB right now. So he put out a statement on behalf of the bishops. And, and it's long, I'm just gonna read pieces of it. But he just speaks about the fact that like, bishops are pastors, right? And, and that they, they're not a partisan player. The church is not a partisan player. Hopefully you've heard me mention that a lot. Like it's not about the right or the left, it's about the gospel, And too often we bring uh, partisan politics into the church instead of the opposite. And so he's just saying, like, we're pastors. We're responsible of souls. We speak about principles. We speak about issues. We try to guide the consciences. It's not playing partisan politics at all. We find in the truth of Jesus Christ. So he talks about how unfaithful forming consciousness for faithful citizenship. This bishop speak about all the issues, abortion, euthanasia, death penalty, right? Our last president, like, rushing folks um, for the death penalty, also against the dignity of the human person. There's no need for that in the U.S. right now. It's an attack against the dignity of the human person. It's not good, right? So it's, it's on both sides proclaiming the gospel here. Immigration, racism, poverty, care for the environment, criminal justice reform, economic development, international peace, all of it. So he says, first, we're Catholics, right, to follow Christ. He says, I look forward to working with President Biden where, where his policies are in communion with the gospel, and where it's not, we have principal disagreement and strong opposition. Anyone, right? Anyone who is in leadership, where they're in communion with the gospel, rock on, let's go, high five. Where they're not, then, then we have to speak out in humility, but in boldness uh, against that, especially the bishops, especially to. To your president, right? So he just speaks about, he says, I must point out that the new president has pledged to pursue certain policies that would advance moral evils and threaten human life and dignity, most seriously in the areas of abortion, contraception, marriage, and gender. Of deep concern is the liberty of the church and the freedom of believers to live according to their consciences, right? So many things here. I encourage you, go read the whole, the whole statement. It's really good, really beautiful, really balanced, but like speaking directly to the issues that's there, especially to the fact that the president is Catholic. Um, So again, going back to this, right? We we fall in sin, then I can rationalize it, that's worse. I start to encourage people directly or indirectly, or directly, that's even worse. And so Jesus says this about that, this is from the gospel. Things that cause sin will inevitably occur. He's like, yep, fallen world, things that cause sin, will inevitably incur, but woe to the person through whom they occur. It would be better for him if a millstone were put around his neck and be thrown into the sea than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. He's talking to all of us. All of us. Right, things that cause sin will inevitably occur, but woe to the one whom it is through, Right? It would be better if we were to die than to cause someone else to sin because our spiritual life is more important than our physical life and then the, and placing other people in that danger. It's like a sober reality that we have to kind of understand and hear. And I want to continue to speak about it in regards to abortion because one of the difficulties right now with what President Biden is saying and the fact that he's Catholic is can cause scandal and confusion oh, he's Catholic and he's a president, he can say that, then like abortion may be okay. I mean, that's scandalous and and it could cause confusion and lead other people to sin. And so I know as a priest, I've had tons of conversations. Again, it's a difficult topic. Like all difficult topics are hard for us, right? I've had tons of conversation with people who say something like this, and maybe you've had this conversation or maybe you've had these thoughts. Father, I personally agree that abortion shouldn't happen. Like, I, I think it's a grave moral evil. The science behind it is, is true. Right at conception, there are all the chromosomes in unique DNA at conception. Every chromosome present, unique DNA, it's another person right at conception. Science is very, very clear on that. So I agree with you, Father, but I can't, I can't tell someone else that they can't do it. Well, why is that? Well, I mean, like, you never know someone's situation. It's really difficult, and, like, like, how could I tell someone in a difficult situation, like, what to do there? I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's take one of these difficult situations. Let's take a woman who, um, you know, the guy's out of the picture. Her family doesn't want anything to do with her. She's in difficult financial situation. She has mental health issues. Maybe she was trying to get in college, no support. Maybe she's, she's homeless. Maybe you just place all these difficult things there. What if the child is three years old? Is it okay to take the life of the three-year-old child because the mom can't take care of the child or might have a tough time fulfilling what she would desire? If, if it's not okay to do that for the three-year-old, then why is it okay if the child is just younger and in the mother's womb? Again, just using... Like reason, walking through this. Oh, Father, I, I see your point. I see your point. It's still really hard, though. Like I, 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 can't, I can't, I just can't judge the person for making that decision because of all the difficult things there. I'm like, okay. Well, what about a slave owner? What about someone who's a sex trafficker right now who's going out and, and, and trafficking people? right, as slaves, can you judge them? Well, then maybe I can. Okay. So if we can judge them in that situation, why can't we make a judgment in this other one? Because the truth is, brothers and sisters, we make judgments about people's actions every day, all day long, and it's actually a good thing. It's important for us to make judgments about people's actions because otherwise you can never say something was right or wrong, ever. But what we don't want to do is be judgmental. What we don't want to do is see someone sin and say, hey, you're a piece of junk. You need to get out of here. You're no good. I don't want anything to do with you. It's not like, hey, I'm a sinner too. Let me walk with you here. I'm gonna speak the truth and love and compassion and mercy. But it's important for us to be able to, to do that. And so as we are walking this, right, we need to understand that in these difficult situations and particularly around sexuality and, and relationships, as sometimes hard topics, it's hard for us maybe to, to think or believe what the church believes because, because of relational things and there's an emotional component. Like, ah, I like this person, I don't wanna, ah. But But brothers and sisters, We can't make those type of moral decisions based on our emotions, no matter how strong they are. Because our emotions don't always tell us the truth of the human person. The truth is Jesus who fully reveals us to ourself. So we have to inform our minds, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, so that it can help us, right? And good that we have these emotions because that way we're not going to be jerks about it. That way we're not going to beat somebody up with the truth. We're going to approach it in humility and compassion. But it's important for us to do so, and it's important for us to live in such a way, even as we stumble along, to be in communion with the church. Because when we're not about a key teaching, a fundamental teaching, then we can cause scandal and lead others in the sense. So we need to pray, ask the Lord's mercy upon ourselves. We pray for our leaders on every single level um, and and for the church. And I just want to invite you, if there's a teaching, get into the church, particularly like on faith and morals, like a deep fundamental teaching that you disagree with, have you even given the Lord an opportunity and the church an opportunity to listen to why? Have you even given the Lord and the church an opportunity to listen to why the church teaches what she does? I think oftentimes we don't. And we're listening more to the world, we're listening more to the culture than we are to the gospel. And, and we need to come with a place of humility and like, okay, well, like Jesus is God. Like he's, he's promised his gift to the church to teach rightly in faith and morals. And so can I come with at least like A humility to go, maybe I'm wrong. And listening to work through this. And then our hearts, right? Jesus saying, repent, turning away from sin, and believing in the gospel, the gospel of mercy and forgiveness. And again, particularly in this topic, mercy and forgiveness, but also the revelation of truth. And to live in that. So let's pray for our president. Let's pray for everyone in the church. Let's pray for all of our leaders that all of our hearts would turn away from sin, would turn away from confusion, would turn away especially from where we're not in communion with the teaching of the gospel so that we would not lead others away and believe in Christ and in the fullness of the gospel truth.